Good morning, church. How's everybody today? Well, good. My name is Pastor Eric Norris. I'm the, the pastor of Discipleship and Connection um, this morning. I get to speak because today we're going to talk about a topic that kind of deals with what I deal with here at church, and, and that's the idea of community. When you came in, you should have received a connection card. It looks something like this. You'll want to keep that in your hand for a couple of reasons. There are some sermon notes on the back that uh, as we go along, if you're that kind that has to make sure all the blanks are filled in, uh, you'll have that opportunity. If you're a guest with us today, we would love to have you fill out this information on the front. Let us know that you're here. Um, if you have a prayer request, you can turn that in. You can slip these in the offering plate or turn them in the connection at, at the Welcome Center when you came, um, that you saw when you came in. Um, we'd love to connect with you as well. And then there's some special things on the back that we'll get to in just a moment. So we welcome you. If you're in person, we welcome you. If you're online, we welcome you as well. We're glad that you're here with us this morning. So we started a new series a couple of weeks ago. So let me ask you a question. Are you ready for something new? It's time, isn't it? It's just time for something new, something fresh to begin. And so we started this series a couple of weeks ago we called Be the New. And the first couple of weeks we talked about some things that, that we need to do maybe from an internal perspective or mindset. And the first of those was that we need to be ready to humble ourselves. And when I think about the concept of humbling ourselves, to me, that means first I need to be willing to humble myself before the God who created me. I need to be willing to bow my knee. And then secondly is the tough one, and that's the discipline of being able to put others above me, which in our culture is becoming harder and harder. So if we want to be the new, we have to humble ourselves. Then last week, Pastor Brian talked about the need to be empathetic or to, to show more empathy. And when I think about that, Sympathy and empathy kind of go hand in, hand in hand, but when I think about sympathy, that is more feeling what somebody else is experiencing. Empathy is living what they're experiencing. And so if we want to be the new, we need to be more empathetic. We need to be willing to live where people are living, especially in the things that we are going through uh, in these days. Now, the next few weeks, we're going to shift gears just a little bit, and we're going to talk more nuts and bolts. We're going to talk about more of the things we need to do from a, a let's-do-it perspective and not so much internal. It's more practical things that we can do uh, as we try this, this concept of be the new. And so the title of the sermon today is Hanging with the Homies. All right, so that got your attention. Now, what in the world does that mean? Well, I went to dictionary.com. I looked up homie just to make sure I, I was getting it right. Um, in my day, we called them groupies. So, uh, uh, but homies, the dictionary.com defines as an acquaintance from one's hometown or neighborhood or a member of one's peer group or gang. All right, so I guess we're a part of a gang here. Most of us sitting here this morning, Westview Community Church, located here in central Kansas, we have one of the greatest examples of what it looks like when we're drawn together in community. You see, because we are drawn together, we were drawn together by a man who entered the scene and changed everything for us. It was at a time when things were bleak and we needed some hope, and so I have a picture of that person here this morning. <laughs> not who you expected is it now i'm being facetious which means i'm kind of poking fun we know that the one who draws us together is the person of christ but patrick mahones has done some pretty phenomenal things right and so if you were a homie you could be a homie homie a homes homie um, i don't consider myself a home uh, i'm confused a groupie 
Um, I don't consider myself, is something going on with my microphone? I'm not the kind of guy that has to wear the hat or have a special, what's going on with this thing? Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got caught. I'm not that kind of guy. <laughs> Truth be told, and it does say Mahomes on the back, by the way. <laughs> Truth be told, I guess I, I have occasionally gotten in the purple wave and gone to a bowl game. And so, but I would never drive eight hours to see my favorite music group. That's just not who I am. Probably wouldn't drive an hour. Um, but that's what it means to be a home. It's drawn together by, by something that we have in common. And so I, I guess there, I have my moments. There was a point a couple of years ago in 2018, Robin and I got to, to go and watch the Chiefs play the Patriots in Foxborough. And so I have a picture of that, what that looks like. And so... Um, and in fact, I brought the banner. I would sell this for the right price, by the way. <laughs> and if we're going to be really festive here, just to, to make sure. <laughs> All right. So I am not a homie. Now that we've established that. By the way, if you've never experienced wearing a... Mahomes jersey and carrying a banner in the sea of 80,000 number 12 obnoxious Patriots Tom Brady fans you've yet to live and it was obnoxious and I have nothing against the Patriots but don't go there um, <laughs> I wasn't scared because I happened to be with a friend who was a Patriots fan so he was bigger than I and he protected me, protected us but it was an experience I will tell you um, that's the idea of community and, and when we think about community all of us are part of community. Whether we believe it or want to think about it or not, it's that idea of being drawn together. Sometimes that's geographically drawn together. Now, you know that a, a couple of months ago, I moved, and I moved only five blocks. But the community I moved into is totally different than the community I left five blocks away. I'm in that community. Some of us are drawn together by sports teams or music groups or a cause that may draw us together. And... and Example, here's, here's a good example. Any introverts in here? Lene's already said that she's one. Now, I'm safe to ask that question because most introverts would never raise their hand, so I'm good. So I went online, and do you know there are communities for introverts? Now think about that for just a moment. There are places even introverts can go to be a part of community because we all have this need to be a part of community. And that's what we're going to talk about today. It's that the importance of engaging and for many of us, maybe re-engaging in spiritual community. And one of the challenges that faces the church today, this church and, and every church, is trying to reconnect or re-engage people because we have been socially distanced and COVID-19 um, locked down so long that it's gotten to be maybe comfortable for some of us. Face it, it's pretty easy to keep my pajamas on, get a, a bagel, a cup of coffee, and watch church online. Right? And so how do I re-engage and should I re-engage? And so that's what I want to talk about today. It's the importance of being actively involved in a spiritual community and why that's important. And as we start the discussion, let's start where we always should start in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the waters. That's the beginning. Although not really. 
That's the beginning for us. A few verses later, we are created in, in God's image, but that's not the beginning. The beginning has always existed with God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Eternal beginnings, eternal community has always existed. The Spirit of God hovered when God was uh, preparing to, to create through his spoken word. It's out of that eternal community that you and I are created, which leads us to sermon note number one. So get, grab your pen. Sermon note number one, we were created in community. Now, you've heard leaders like me and, and leaders that you've listened to often say that we were created for community, and that is true. We are created for community, but we are created for community because we were created first in community out of eternal community. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 reads like this, then God said, let us make man in our image, our image to be like us. Now that word us means it's a plural word. It means that a community existed before we were created. And it's in that community that we are created. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, we read this. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and that word with carries with it the meaning of being partnered with. In, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning in partnership with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. So we were created for community because we were first created in community. And when you take that logic to its ultimate conclusion, if we are created in the image of God out of community, it's eternally inherent within us. The, the concept of community. And if that's not enough to prove my point, an amazing thing happens a little later in, in John chapter 1, verse 14. It says this, the word became flesh and blood, and the message translation says, and moved into the neighborhood. One translation says, the word put on man bones and moved into the neighborhood. So out of perfect heavenly community, Jesus comes and joins our earthly community and all heaven breaks loose. Literally. So what does that mean? What's it mean for us? Simply this, being created for community, that gives us directive. That shows us how we're to live out our faith and it gives us purpose. That's the doing part of faith but it's to be done in community with others. And the fact that we were created in community gives us perspective. We were created in community from community so that we could go to community or for community. Community is much more than what we do. It's how we were created. And if it's internally inherent within us, then to not, and, and you want to kind of be prepared for this next statement. To not be a part of a spiritual community is not an option. And if you have an issue with that, you need to take that with someone up line from me, right? We were created in community 
for community because, listen, being, doing flows from being. And when I was a pastor, I would regularly have conversations with people that would sit down at my desk and they'd say, all right, I'm a Christian. What am I supposed to be doing? My response would be to them, so tell me who you are. Because who you are gives perspective to what you should be doing. And the truth is, most of us, we're more interested in doing. That's the easy part. Give me something to do. But doing flows from being, from who I am. And that comes from community, the way that I was created. It's inherently eternal, inherently within me. We can't do until we be. So the question I have for you this morning is, who are you in community? Second sermon note this morning. The Holy Spirit works in community. The Holy Spirit works in community. One of the greatest examples of this takes place um, in an unlikely set of circumstances. So there's a group that's hanging around. They've been traveling with Jesus, and now Jesus is gone. He's been crucified, resurrected, and now he's reunited in perfect community with his father once again. But this group is sitting around wondering, what's next? What are we supposed to do? In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, they get an answer. It reads this, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and some of them, correct me please, all, everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. I want you to note two things from those verses. Everyone who was a part of that community was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about those who happened to be not be in, in that group that day. I'm not sure at that point if everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit. What I do know is I would have rather have been in that group because of what they experienced. Everyone, they were together, and whoosh, it happens. The second observation is the Holy Spirit gave them ability to do what was going to happen next. The Holy Spirit works in community. Matthew chapter 18 confirms this. In, in 18 verses 19 and 20, we read this. I tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Did you catch that? Two or more, I will do it. Now, does that mean that God only works in community? No. But that means that there is power in community. That when two or three of us agree and we're united and we touch that one thing and it touches God, God's heart and then he will move in response to that community. Does that mean that we have to be together for the Holy Spirit to work? No. But scripture is clear that as a believer, as a follower, the Holy, when we first receive the Holy Spirit, and then join in community, stuff starts happening. Sermon note number three. When the Holy Spirit is at work in community, people notice. The next few verses, chapter two, verse five of Acts. At that time, there were devoted Jews, that's the, the religious 
community, the religious Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem, when they heard that loud noise, what happened? Everyone came running. Everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers, and they were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians and Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, uh, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors even from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own language about the wonderful things God has done. That happened out of community. And, and people noticed when that happened. When the Holy Spirit's at work, people start noticing. And they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they ask each other. So let me read you this. This came from a, a History Channel article dated September 20th, 2019. In the 1700s, a European philosophical movement known as the Enlightenment, or the Age of Reason, was making its way across the Atlantic Ocean to these new American colonies. Enlightenment thinkers emphasized scientific and logical view of the world while downplaying religion. Does that sound familiar? In many ways, religion was becoming more formal and less personal during this time, which led to a lower church attendance. Christians were feeling complacent with their methods of worship, and some were disillusioned with how wealth and rationalism were dominating the culture. Now, you could take that excerpt and put it in the newspaper today, couldn't you? But then something happened. A group of people in community decided to do something about it. And they began to join together and pray. And guys like Jonathan Edwards and John Calvin and George Whitfield began to rise up and lead. And the Holy Spirit began to show up and move a whole culture. And the first great awakening happened in the early 1700s. And it changed the new world. And it happened again about 40 years later. And we had a second great awakening. Why is that? Well, when the Holy Spirit's at work in community, people notice and things begin to change, which is sermon note number four. When the Holy Spirit is at work in a community, change happens. Change happens. Now walk back with me again a few days with this group sitting there after the crucifixion. So they had witnessed just a few days before Jesus being tried, tortured, beaten, and then dying on a cross. Now, there was a momentary lift when he was resurrected, and they thought, yes, we got this now. He's back. But then, as we said, now he goes back to his father, and he's gone again. And during this time, Peter and his community wilted. During that time, they had denied Christ, and they had fled and so now they're all sitting around. They're still together, but probably their frame of mind is not the most positive at this point in time. And then one of my favorite things in all of Scripture takes place. In Acts chapter 2, verse 14, we read this. Then Peter stepped forward with, remember that word with is in partnership, with the other 11 apostles and shouted to the crowd. Now, if I were to ask you, what's the most powerful thing or important thing that happened in that verse, what would you say? 
Well, our tendency is to, to say it's when they begin to shout because the gospel is being preached. But I would say, wait a minute. Before they shouted, they had to stand. And in community, in partnership with each other, they stand. To me, that's one of the most powerful things about this new church. Yes, it's powerful when they begin to preach, but it's powerful when you stand. Church, are you ready to stand? Before you go do, are you ready in community to stand? Even though you may have denied him at times, even though you may have rebelled at times, even after the resurrection, at one point Peter says, I'm going fishing. But when you rise above that, you have to stand. And it's when we're in together in one place, and that place has to be a place of expectancy, of waiting, of watching for the Holy Spirit. And when we are in that place, extraordinary things begin to happen. And the world begins to take notice, and change happens. So Peter, the denier, who couldn't even stand up to a servant girl before the crucifixion, who denied Jesus and was ready to go back and go fishing, all of a sudden, empowered now with these other believers, stands. And the first post-sermon resurrection sermon is preached. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, we read, Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Another question for you. Are there 3,000 people in this community who need to hear someone stand and shout the good news? Now, I heard one, amen. Are there 3,000 people in this community that need to hear the good news? That's only going to happen when we join together in community and we are expecting the Holy Spirit to move. Are you ready to stand? Are we ready to stand? Because when that happens, extraordinary things happen. That's how the church grows. And I get it. Things aren't pleasant right now. I mean, this whole social distancing, lockdowns, I'm done. I'm so done with it. And we're coming close, folks, to a point where we're going to get back to life. The question is, are we ready to re-engage life? Are we ready to re-engage faith? Are we ready to stand? That's what needs to happen, is we need to join together in one place and begin to pray and expect. We need to wait for the Holy Spirit to begin to work in our community so that we can see the next great awakening take place. And make no mistake, God can and will. Whether it's through us or not, God will do what God will do. I want to be a part of it. I'm ready for something new. So, let me take a breath. I'm getting excited. Let me leave you with five benefits of community. Now, understand, when I, I've used the word community a whole lot this morning, I'm speaking specifically about a spiritual community, a Bible-believing, Jesus-preaching community. Now, does that mean you should not be a part of other communities? Well, no. We are a part of those communities. It just means that we need to be prepared to go to those communities. The first benefit of community, community shapes us. It shapes us. Now, I want you to kind of hold on for a minute because I'm, I have a confession to make, a closet confession. And it's going to cause some of you to not like me anymore. I get that. 
but I'm going to be totally and brutally honest with you. I grew up rooting for the other Kansas team. I actually had blue shirts. Now today I can't hardly even say the name. The B, the B, the J. So what happened in my life? Well, I married into a purple community. <laughs> now I lived a double life for a while. I tried to do the whole double life thing and it didn't take long for me to realize it wasn't working. And so over the course of time, that purple community shaped me. And now I'm, I bleed purple. I get angry at the other team. Because we are shaped. Now, I wish Rita was here because Rita, who put together all of the group information, I'm going to point to you in a moment, our, our secretary, you wouldn't believe what she showed up at church today wearing. A brown shirt. So you're going to have to give her a bad time. Hopefully she's around us enough that she can be shaped. <laughs> we are all a part of communities, aren't we? So, and those communities shape us. Whether we want to believe it or not, if, if you hang around cruddy buddies in your, in your scrapbooking, your Pinterest, your golf, your um, bowling, whatever that community is, if you think you're going to just go into that community and shape the whole community, chances are, are not very good. You're going to be shaped by that community. So what does that mean? We shouldn't hang out with those people? No. What it means is that we better be prepared mentally, physically, and spiritually to go into those communities. If we want to bring light and truth and grace to the outside communities, it starts in this community. And I'm not talking about this Westview community. I'm talking about whatever faith community you plug yourself into. That's where life change, world change happens. It starts there. Then you're propelled to go out. Second value of community, it grows us. And you don't have to go much beyond these 12 unlikely, unassuming, uneducated men who spend three years together with Jesus. And ultimately, they would die from loyalty for their faith and change the world. Have you ever heard the phrase, dust of the rabbi? So dust of the rabbi was this phrase that, that came out of this time when you followed a teacher or rabbi, which is the word for teacher. And so the dust of the rabbi phrase means that if you were going to follow somebody, if you were going to be a follower of that teacher, you wanted to follow so closely that the dust of his footprints settled on you so that you didn't miss a thing. Church, it's time for us to get dusty. It's time for us to grow, and community helps grow us. When we walk together and get a little dusty and grow, with the, we grow up as a community. And you've heard Pastor Brian say, you've probably heard me say at, at points, it's impossible to be a fruitful Lone Ranger Christian. Now, can you be a Lone Ranger Christian? You can. But I'm going to tell you, it's, you need to be a part of community in order to be fully fruitful. Community grows us. The third, community holds us accountable. When Robin was living, we used to read through the Bible every year. And it was easy. We, every night we knew that we would get our Bibles and we would spend that time reading through the Bible. We held each other accountable in that. She, since she's gone, it's been hard for me. And so I was telling my siblings, I have six siblings, I was telling my siblings about that, and, and some of them said, you know, we, we have trouble too. So you know what we did? We formed a community. And so now we all, we, we've decided we're going to read through the chronological Bible together, 
and every Wednesday night we get together and we discuss what we read. Great family time, but a great opportunity to hold each other accountable. That's what community does, is it holds us accountable so that we can grow. Community also encourages us when we join together, when we're connected and engaged in church, in a spiritual community, we're encouraged. Not just when times are low, but when times are good. That encourages us, that's the cheerleader we need to go. It's the cheerleader we need to be, to continue to grow. We're encouraged when we gather together with a group who's like us and we have the same purpose and passion. And then finally, community propels us to serve using our gifts and talents right now there are people missionaries serving all around the world from this community right now there are people being ministered to through the homestead ministry from this community right now people are teaching our kids so that we can worship in this community there are group leaders preparing to lead small groups in this community. It's community that propels or launches us to, to go out and to be able to do what we do. It provides the resources, the training, the education we need so that we can do those things. That all flows from community, which starts with being in community. So, are you ready for something new? Are you ready for the world to change? Then I have to change. I have to engage. I have to re-engage. I have to, to realize that I am an integral part of this community. Now, does God need me? Nobody wants me. He wants me. He's got something for me to do in this community. We're going to prepare for a time of communion if the worship team wants to come up. As, as we prepare, know that in this church, we, uh, we practice open communion, which means you do not have to be a member of this church um, to share in communion. We just ask that you be in a relationship or pursuing a relationship with Christ. As you prepare, right beside your chair, there's a little cup with the communion elements. Those are the COVID-safe communion elements. If you'll peel the top film off of that you'll find the wafer so that you're prepared is kind of tricky and then under the foil you'll find the juice so be preparing for that as the worship team comes Pay the 
of hanging with Jesus, this uh, unlikely little community rides into Jerusalem one last time. And as they ride in, they encounter four different communities. There's the Hosanna community, the community that shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and they threw down their coats. They had seen the miracles of Jesus. They had sat on the mountainside and listened to his teaching. They knew the prophecies and yet when it was all over, they left disappointed. There was a Roman community. They were in charge. They were expecting a riot, a coup. They wanted nothing to do with this community, this Jesus crowd. And so they watched, they helped crucify, and they left unchanged. There was the religious crowd, the Jewish zealots, the Pharisees, and although they had seen the same miracles, although they had heard the same teaching and they knew the same prophecies, their hearts were hard and they left defiant. And then there was this small group. They were dusty. They'd ridden with Jesus, spent time with him. They weren't really the group that you'd choose for the task that was to be ahead. They even abandoned him at crucial times, but on the night before things began to really happen for Jesus, he set them down around the table, and they shared one last supper. And they left changed forever, and changed the world forever. This morning, I want to invite you back to community. I want to invite you back to re-engage. 
I want to invite you back to that table with this group of dusty travelers and share in that time. I want to use a different scripture this morning for communion. Acts 2, chapter 42. And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, that's community, and to sharing the meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. I want you to make sure that we get this in order of the way it happened. They devoted themselves to community devoted themselves to fellowship, devoted themselves to the Last Supper. And a deep sense of awe came over them. Then many wonderful things begin to happen. We get that backwards. We expect miracles so that we can be wowed and awed. We expect all of this, this pomp and circumstance so that we can be awed by Jesus. And the truth is, it's when we devote ourselves, when we commit ourselves to community, to prayer, to sharing in fellowship together, and when we're in awe, then the world has changed. That's what I want to invite you to this morning. This is my body, Jesus said, broken for you. As often as you eat, remember. Let's take the bread together. After supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant of my blood. The new things that are about to come. As often as you drink this, remember me. Let's share the cup. Father, this morning, we are together in one place, whether that's online, whether it's sitting here physically, we are together. My prayer this morning, Father, is that you would help us be devoted. That we, you would help us realize that we are com first commuted, uh, created in community. It's eternal within us. Father, help us to realize that before I go and do, I need to be I need to be engaged. I need to be devoted. I need to commit myself. Father, we realize that we need some help. Um, life happens. Distractions come. And it's easy to forget. But Father, we acknowledge this morning that we're ready for something new. Father, would you help that news start with me as I engage? Father, would you change this community through this community? Would you change our world as the church rises up and stands and shouts the good news? Father, here we are. Help us be the new. In Jesus' name. Amen.
This is the week that we launch community. We launch life groups, and we have Sunday life groups. We have some midweek life groups. And so I want to invite you in to community. When you came in, you should have received a life groups brochure that lists all of the current groups we have. There may be a new group starting. There may be a few changes to these groups, but this is the starting place. I would encourage you to take a look and ask the Holy Spirit, where should I be? Where can I grow? Who can encourage me? And so take a look at that and uh, then find your group. Now, some of the groups, the Sunday Life groups, there will be groups that meet opposite service times. And so there are a couple of Sunday Life groups that will meet on Sunday at 9 o'clock while the service is going on. One of those is a, an Old Testament survey group that I'm going to teach. It's like a 10,000-foot overview of the Old Testament. Uh, and one we need you to sign up for. It's Financial Peace University. Now, listen, let me tell you something exciting. The church purchased an on-site li learning license for Financial Peace University, which means everybody here can take it. That's awesome. That's a gift to you. And so we're going to be running it throughout the year, but we need to know if you're interested, so sign up. The other Sunday groups, there's a 1045 group that's kind of a Bible discussion group with John McNellis and a ladies group that meets, is going to meet one of those times. Those are the Sunday groups. The rest of the groups meet during the week, some on Sundays. You can take a look at the description of those groups in that brochure. And so how do you sign up? Well, the first, for those that are physically present, is there's a place on your connection card where you can say, I'd like to join a group, and you can list that group, and, and we'll contact you. Make sure you get signed up. So turn that in, the offering plate or at the Welcome Center. There's a table right out here, and I'm going to be there as soon as I can get there. Um, if you have questions about a group, come and find me at that table, and we'll talk about how to sign up. Here's a technology thing. Isn't technology wonderful? Somebody give me an amen, because I, sometimes I wonder. In, on your connection card, in the life group, there's a QR code. Now, if you don't know what a QR code is, it's that little squiggly box. If you take your phone 
and turn the camera on and point it at that picture, it's going to take you to a sign-up. And all you do is you pick Sunday life group or midweek life group, and then you pick the group you're interested in, and there's a little box there that says, Ask to Ask join. To join. Uh, so I have to get the technical people. <laughs> so that's pretty easy. In fact, I did that with someone right before church, and it was pretty easy, wasn't it? Yep. If you uh, are an app user, can I interrupt? If, you're, if you already have our app, um, it's that same way on our app. There's a button at the bottom that says Find a Group. It'll pull up groups at the top. It's going to be groups that you're already associated with. But underneath that is where you can click Sunday or midweek. And then from there, you pick the one you want and click Ask to Join. So. All right. So that was my point number three. If you're already at Planning Center Pro, just go there and then or find me at the table. So lots of ways you can find a group and connect. Um, if you have questions, let me know. I'll do my best to try to answer them. So my challenge to you is, are you ready for something new? then let's engage and be the new. Have a great week.